Every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is James Giancotti. James is an investment banker turned entrepreneur, having founded a company called OddUp. OddUp was created because he found information in the investment banking world to be extremely confusing, unreliable, and really biased. So he created a better way to do all of that. James, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Now, I'm really excited about this, first of all, because you are live from Australia, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, you are on your third day of your mandatory quarantine before you're allowed out. Well, yes. that, that's so you have literally nothing else to do but sit here and talk to me. So that's I, I actually I'm glad that we're talking today. Well, yeah. you know, the world is sort of going on outside. I'm here with you. That's fantastic. I love it. So, uh, like you said before we started, you're going to be the the DD for this episode because it's very early in the morning and socially uh, unacceptable for you to be having a beer. But <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> So well, the, pubs, the pubs in Australia aren't open until midday. So um, that's usually when we start. But we could go, you know, from 12 p.m. until 2 a.m. So okay, the, the, there you go. We pace ourselves over a time. So yeah, I love it. That's I'm great. Preparing for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be trying a beer today from uh, the New Belgium Brewery. So New Belgium has a special place in my heart because during quarantine, me, my wife, and my three kids moved to Fort Collins. Uh, Colorado for a month just because we were all virtual for everything. And mm-hmm. New Belgium's brewery was literally two blocks from from uh, where we stayed. So that was pretty awesome. So I'm going to be trying a winter hazy IPA called Accumulation. So I'll give it a rating at the end. But and Thumbs I get up. Enjoy. Thank you. So let's jump right into your business. Sure. Tell me a little bit about Odd Up and what exactly it is. Sure. Um, well, I always like to say what we made it for versus what it actually is made for. Okay. Um, so we made OddUp, uh, uh, so the short answer is what OddUp is. OddUp is a uh, ratings data company that rates startups in crypto. Uh, similar to what a Moody's would do, what an S&P would do as they rate stocks and bonds and so forth. We do that for startups in crypto. Um, and that's usually what I would say to my mother or to my mother's friend who doesn't know what we do. Right. And they get that pretty easily. Sometimes I, you know, I can even dumb that down, but that's pretty much what we do. But when we go in and in a full details of what that becomes is, you know, we look at every bit of um, analysis on, you know, what makes a startup, you know, its rating, what's its valuation, uh, how can we pull out data from a company on that date rather than the date they raised money. Hmm. Um, and we do this for crypto, which is relatively easier because of the, um, the you know, the amount of information we've got on hand. Yeah. So now this is pretty interesting. So did you start out, did you start out with this just to do startups and then you you added crypto in or did you kind of do them both at the same time no we started uh odd up primarily because uh you know there was a need and we, we were based in hong kong when we first started and that was there was no crunch space no pitch book at that time to yeah. get information on on asian-based startups and so it was very much looking at and this was in you know the mid 
2010, so 2014, 15, we wanted to create, uh, or we actually did this by accident, to, to be honest. We actually started building the uh, the product because there was nothing out there and we wanted to send to our LPs, limited partners, what, why we made a decision on that, uh, on a company. Yeah. And, you know, fast track that, that's when people started going, great, well, how about, how about China? How about India? And then we expanded right. and then we went into crypto as well. That's amazing. So I'm really interested in your background because, so you're Australian yep. and you start your, you go to law school Yes. Why did you go to law school and why are you not a lawyer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I value, guess I should say I, 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 practicing I, I, lawyer. Well, you know, I don't know. I said that's a great question. So I, I got into law school. There was a fair bit of pressure for myself and, you know, for other, other factors. And, and I decided to get into law school, got into law school. And I actually didn't start at law school because I didn't have enough marks. And so I started an arts degree, but did mostly law subjects. And then because um, a lot of, and this happens, I don't know how much it happens in the States, but in Australia, a lot of people who get into these degrees can't handle university. And then the first year they drop out. So you can just sort of jump in that spot. And so I started the law degree in the second year and converted <laughs> all my subjects and became a lawyer. Um, primarily around intellectual property because I really like the idea of Napster and, you know, getting, you know, in individual rights. And, and, and that was really quite exciting for me. Um, and I accelerated my law course so much that I was bored of it towards the end that I, I did a five-year course in three because I was doing night schools because I just wanted to start working. Yeah. Um, and by accident, because I didn't become a lawyer, because my first job was in the tech industry pre-2000, and it was so exciting. I was flying the world, flying into stay. And all of a sudden, you know, I thought, oh, this is much cooler than being a lawyer. I'm making more <laughs> money than being a lawyer. And then it sort of stayed in tech and went into consulting from there. That's pretty amazing. So yeah. um, now then you started in the, you went down the, the investment banking track, yeah. right? So how soon after law school did you go down, down that road? Oh, so I was consulting initially, so in tech consulting, and by by being at Deloitte at the time, I was doing more investment bank clientele work, Got it. and so they would put me in transformation projects and so forth. And from there, I was like, you know, these guys seem to be making good money down here. This looks interesting. Um, and you know, I started doing clients with some big banks, and you know, lo and behold, there was uh, the love of love of uh, you know. I always say I, I came uh, into banking for the love of the majors. Yeah. And the majors being money. Um, and so <laughs> I went into, I went, I started my journey in banking in uh, JP Morgan in, uh, in FX and, uh, and then moved on to Goldman Sachs at a later time. It was quite much, much nice at the time. Yeah. That, well, that's interesting. And, and you didn't do it the, the, the way that Americans do it is they get into investment banking. Everyone moves to New York City. You yep. moved to Hong Kong. Yeah. So I, I, I saw, so, so actually it was a funny experience. I wanted to leave Australia like all, good you know actors yeah you know, like <laughs> all the actors that play americans in america or australians um I, I i did exactly we, we call it the kylie minogue disease which kylie minogue is a famous singer if you do know of what the audience knows about it you know she left in the 80s and you know has been in the uk making you know making records and so forth yeah and comes to australia back like i do for christmas you know and right. still works <laughs> like all the actors in the world um and so we call it the you know, everyone just leaves and so i i went around the world before i I chose Hong Kong. I went around the world. I went to London. I went to New York. And I have worked in those places. But the the key thing for me was, you know, where was where the where was where the biggest growth was? Yeah. And Asia, um, you know, this century certainly is. And that was where I decided to go. And that was being a, 
uh, you know, a wonderful experience to do that. That that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so it was only supposed to be two years. Twelve. And how years long? Later. You, how long? Yeah. Uh, I went. I was in Hong Kong for twelve years. Oh wow, that's pretty yeah. incredible. So, yeah. so you, this idea comes to you while you're doing the, while you're working on investment banking clients for Auto. Yeah. So yeah. So when I was um, I was a researcher from from going from the front office in in FX and trades. I went into the research department at, at Goldman and primarily working on big tech listings. I was in the in the internet team where we're looking at companies like Facebook, Baidu, um, you know, Alibaba, all these big name companies, and then how we put a, a rating around this. So I understood the methodology from my time at Goldman. Once you, you know, someone told me when you work at Goldman, Goldman sort of at the top of the top of an investment bank. And once you work at Goldman, there's no, you don't really feel like working for another investment bank. You feel like you've done what you need to do and do something else. Yeah. And every person that left Goldman is doing entrepreneurship. And that was where I was all part of my, in my DNA. You know, my father's an entrepreneur, um, you know, uh, it, you know, he's a good Italian boy, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and that's how I sort of got the excitement of, you know, getting right into it and, and, you know, starting something. So when I was at Goldman, I was, you know, it was a twinkle in my eye. Um, and, yeah. you know, here I am now. That, that's pretty incredible. So looking at Adam, it seems like it's part analytics, part tech, and part ratings company, right? So how <laughs> yeah. does all of that sort of combine together? Uh, so... When we look, so maybe I'll talk about the journey, so to sort of come out to how it got to there. That'd be great. So when we originally first started Odd Up, we were actually like, I used to do it at Goldman, where we were a ratings team. We had analysts there. We were actually putting manual um, uh, data together by actually feeding that information in and then coming up with an, a, a rating with the methodology around that, as in why, what should, should the value of the company be? Should it be buy, hold, sell, and, and driving that together? And so that was the ratings part of it. Over time, the tech... Uh, analysis said, uh, you know what, people become problems, but technology doesn't if you can do it right. So all the methodologies that we were building, you know, in in the sort of in the Excel spreadsheets, then turned to an API, then turned into, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a whole heap of artificial intelligence and pulling scripts together, and then that sort of graduated, and so the analyst team became much smaller because the technology could do the same thing, the ratings. Yeah. Then as the company kept on moving, and we still do ratings, of course, but the uh, the technology was that the we built the product because we thought we were being the analysts for the, for the clients. What ended up happening was that the technology and the data became more important for the, for the clients because the clients became very much going, okay, we love this data, we love the ratings, but we'll make the decision. We've got our own analysts. And yeah. so that's when the data uh, part of it, providing more information to them, and they put it within their own system. So Audit became from its own system, it actually became a, a data co a company with ratings providing the data to um, you know, major clients like Bloomberg and Thomson Reuters because they had their own system. And the, the the biggest lesson for us to learn there was that we, you know, when you create a company or, or a, a product, you go, oh, you know what? They're going to use my product. They're going to log in every day like Facebook. And that's not true. Yeah. They've got their own product. They've got their own methodologies. What they want is the information you can give them and they will pull it all together. Um, so it's a, you know, that's how the product has merged. And then, of course, crypto is a, a, a treasure trove of price data that you can get at any time, a bit like the stock market. So that's where it's become interesting for us. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, the the whole crypto world is fascinating to me, and you know, I, I think uh, many people don't understand it, but it is an exciting it's, it's an exciting thing. You know, we we talk mm -hmm. to crypto millionaires 
pretty regularly, which is a fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. It almost seems insane and too good to be true. So from a from a end user, you mentioned you mentioned Bluebird and and, and, and uh, Thompson. Uh, who else is going to be a good client for you guys? Like, if I'm going to invest in crypto, is that something that I subscribe to, to or is it more for uh, for a B two B type of thing? So our primary focus is B two B, and what what sort of types of transactions we do. Plus, there is a level of when you start providing rating services, you need to have that client understanding with the other companies because uh, you know there's some certain clients we don't provide ratings to. They just want the data, and some that who do want the uh, the data, um, who do want the ratings. But primarily for the the sort of the B two C user, which we do have a product and it's relatively cheap. It's actually free for a couple of components for it. Is you know they will be looking at that data and sort of analyzing you know our predictions and our trends and you know what we do but we you know for particularly for the b2c user we don't give those ratings because there's that level of you know youtube analyst that goes you know it's going to be 200 dollars today and then goes to 150 and there's a level of hate around that we don't do that we just yeah. say this is where we see the trend going you yeah. make your own decision what you do um for the clients um we when we build the product we were after angels now it's corporates and it's a lot of tech companies, believe it or not, buy a product. And we, we never expected that. And that's because, um, and as you learn in Silicon Valley, uh, after being here so much, for so long, um, you learn that actually a lot of the VC money goes into giving money to the other VC money companies. I, you need this product, you need Notion, you need Zoom, you need all these other things. And we're just another product. And they're trying to use our data to sell to other tech companies who've just raised capital. So you know a, a little secret in silicon valley people would understand is a lot of the money that they actually receive goes back into this sort of funnel and it goes around <laughs> around around and they're just buying more software so, <laughs> and they sell a little bit of product but that's that's the little trick in the vc um, world and so um that's how we do it so if you were to drive down the 101 or the 280 in the, in the in particular the 101 in in san francisco all you see is tech companies and products that people can subscribe to. They are people who buy our products because they're looking on our system on companies that have either raised money or are doing really quite well and they're ready as well. And they will be around in 12, 24 months, 36 months. And so by giving, you know, that's, that's typically who sell to. From the crypto side, wow, you know, if you asked me two years ago, would crypto be such a huge market share for us? I would be shocked. Um, Yeah. here is the world. <laughs> That's why you've got lots of millionaires um, because, you know, the easiest trade in the world was just to buy some Ethereum, you know, uh, 18 months ago and just at $100, $150 and just sit. Sit and you know, sit. You didn't yeah. have to do anything. And you're yeah. a millionaire type of thing. You know, <laughs> or Solano, you know. We, we actually, one of the calls we made, it was Solano at, because uh, uh, they were actually part of the 500 startups batch and we knew it from, uh, we just told people, you know, we like this, and it was about a dollar. And we said, you know what, put a thousand bucks in. Worst thing is, you could lose the thousand bucks. Yeah, two hundred fifty dollars later, they know that was just an amazing trade. And so, there's a lot of millionaires that have come in crypto, and so of course, those people are buying our data because when we come up with those little nuggets that we like, you know, that nugget pays for the subscription for the next forty years type of right. thing. So it makes more sense to do it. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting business model, and I think I think you guys have really honed in on something. And from a revenue generating perspective, the idea of having recurring revenue is sort of you know that's like the the golden goose to be able to do that. And any subscription service is that. Now, was it? Did you guys intend to start out that way to have you know sort of this recurring revenue stream if you have clients that are continue to subscribe? 
So when we originally started, we just thought it was the angels who would spend, you know, got $100 a month and, you know, be done with that. And then, you know, revenue, continuous revenue is good because it helps know how to pay the bills, how much you need to raise if you need to raise. Um, The data part was different because the more content there's, more people pay us money. Mm. And so that has become a very interesting thing for us and how that grows and how, um, and so, you know, I always learned before we started on up that SaaS was the key. Yeah. Um, then I realized that data is the new gold, new oil. And so um, it's pretty much both when you put them together, both software and data. Um, and uh, given what everything is going to a subscription model, we feel like we, we should keep on going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it's, I wouldn't say it's a golden goose, but it's something that people, um, you know, people subscribe to a lot of things. And so where our data product is another thing they can subscribe to. Yeah, for sure. Now, what is your particular specialty or thing you like to do in the business the most? What's the thing that you love to focus on? Your sort of your unique talent, as they say. Uh, it's probably the, the thing that my team hates the most. Okay. And that's that I, I like going, okay, why don't we do this? And why don't we do this? And so they're like, yeah. And then they're like, crap, but we have to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, if, if I was to sort of, you know, pigeon myself in another role at Odd it would be probably the, the chief strategy officer. I'm very much strategically looking next year, year after, and then saying, oh, how can we do it? So, like, when we started Odd you know, we were one of very few, you know, if any, ratings companies for startups. Now, you know, they're blown out. Now we've gone into crypto. We're now getting those questions from those people who followed us going, oh, what are these guys up to? And as we launch new products, I'm always looking at those. I'm always looking at the trends of the market and how we can manage it and be first, sometimes fail doing it or sometimes sort of try and get there, but how we can do it better. So that's me and my team, of course, hating me, going, let's let's build something new. I have another I idea. Do that anymore. Yeah, that? <laughs> exactly. Where did where did you guys get the name out up from? Oh man, this is fun. So when um, I uh, I was at uh, JP and I basically stopped working, it was, it was 2008. I started sort of uh, investing in companies at that time. And there was a pretty hard time in 2008, 2009. Yeah. And there was a couple of websites that were selling logos and domain names for like 150 bucks. So guess what I did? I bought lots of them. Um, and Odup was one of them um, in like 2009, we bought it. And originally our idea of Odup was a, a gambling website. You can gamble on startups, you know, the risk of startups. That's um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, but of course Odup became a rating agency, but you know, the name still applies, you know, it, are the odds up by following our advice to invest in this company? Yeah. Um, and it's quite funny now seeing everything else like a click up and some every other company coming up with an up there. So, you know, we, we know we were first. And then that's where the traffic light symbol came, you know, buy, hold, sell, you know, red, uh, gray, yellow and green. You know, that's as simple as that um, with a blue background. So we got all the four colors. So it was very simple branding. It worked. People got it. It was five letters.com and it, and it has been successful since. And, you know, we're pretty happy with that. But, that's ultimately how it came up. That's, so you, you just said my, one of my favorite things is the art of simplicity is lost in the business world these days. I feel like a lot of people want to make things overly complicated in, in part to make themselves seem smarter or what, whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you've stuck to just being simple and straightforward and it's clearly paid off. Because people can say the name as well. Right. And people can type it out, you know. So, you know, it, uh, when I have to give my email address and people go, oh, no, oh, O-D-D-U-P. And it's yeah. a very easy thing for it's two words. 
And so there's, it's very easy for people to get. But, I mean, it's effectively every investment is a gamble. Yeah. Um, and it's either up in your favor or down. You know, we could be odd down, odd up, but on odd up is you always want to go up. So yeah. that's how it comes out. Um, yeah, look, simplicity is key. I, I think it's it's a lost thing now when everyone tries to be, you know, you, you're right when you say people want to feel like they're smarter and so forth. But, you know, there's a fair bit of confusion in this world. And I think in the last two years have seen that there's a lot of information, misinformation, yeah. Sometimes being simple and going back to what works, works really well for yourself, for your clients and, and ultimately, you know, as a brand. So we're, we know, we're, we're going to stick to that as well. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's great. Um, you, there's a, there's a great Tony Robbins quote that says complexity is the enemy of execution. And I, I oh, tell yeah. people that all the time. I used to work for, for a firm where they would do a uh, financial plan, it would be like 112 pages long. And I go, no one cares about that. That's too, that's too long. So you really need to, to be able to get your messaging short and simple and make people's lives easier, I think is a, is a key. Yeah, and that's exactly how we put the product together. So when I was building the investment reports at, at Goldman, that were 50, 60 pages long. People spent a, a, a month working on them, plus there was reviews and so forth. And then after speaking to a lot of clients then at Goldman, they were like, actually, no, we just want to know what the details are. Do you want to buy or sell? Yeah. We actually don't want to read your crap. We just want to know what the price would be there. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And once I found that was a common theme, it was it, I, the question then came back to Goldman. This is where the ideas came around. was like, why are we spending all this time putting this information together? Why can't we just be really fast? Give people what they want, even in an app, they can get on their phone, they're yeah. gonna trade and so forth. And in crypto, it's so obvious that. Yes. And so what we thought what we thought about in 2014 when we started this has become true now in 2021, where people go, tell me what the price of Bitcoin is gonna be. Yeah. They don't care about you why you put it, why the price is here, why the price is there. They just want to know if I give you ten dollars, I buy ten dollars of Bitcoin, will that become twenty dollars, and how soon that will do it? Yeah, and that works on stocks, that works on startups, and you see where people simplicity works in a very a very easy way because people are becoming more and more lazy and they want to do more and more things and they don't have time to tell you you know how great my english is or how great my grammar is in a report that's 40 pages long so yeah that's how that's how odd up has become very fast and data and and just give people content yeah i, I think they want to do it it's it's their own job yeah i, I think the idea of a, a of a traffic light of a red yellow and green light is the ultimate cut to the chase just give me the just give me the answer that's all i care about now i'm inter- <laughs> I, i'm interested in uh Obviously, you're making predictions, right? Yes. And when you're in the prediction business, things sometimes go well, like the tra- like the idea you talked about before. But I mm-hmm. feel like you can get some sort of public scrutiny if you make a call and it's not the right one. Have you guys seen any of that happen? And, and what sort of the – I mean, it seems like if you make a wrong call, Twitter will, will roast you to death for – but, you know, is, does that actually happen? No. That's good. So what you see is – so we typically give people a price time. Yeah. Uh, and, I've, and I think it's more relevant in crypto mm-hmm. because I think, uh, and for us, because our B2B, we're talking with B2B, they've always got a longer uh, stretch of time. So we were, you know, like with Solana, we said, you know what, at the time, we think this could be a $50 uh, coin. It may hit the top 30 and we actually could see some growth there. And so in our view, you know, if you hold time, you'll make 30 times your money. You know, this is a really good, 
Of course, it became 250 times, but it, it, the, the difference is, is that we, you know, we under, you know, under-promised, over-delivered, but people had that idea this was going to take a year, two years, three years. So when they purchased this product or purchased a coin, they go, okay, well, I know, I mean, I'm putting $100,000 down on this asset and it's going to be worth so much money. From a, a, a user perspective, um, you know, from a B2C, we tend not to deal with that because a lot of them can't manage long term they want to make money instantly they and 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 with the startups and this is where the startup game is you know the startup game can take 10 years to deliver on an asset yeah that thousand dollars in a angel list syndicate could be you know uh four hundred thousand dollars in 10 years time but you've got to wait that 10 years and actually sort of nurture it and so this is where when we where we provide data and provide ratings we tend not to get that because we're saying hey there is a time factor. That's, great point. That's why we tend not to want to do it B2C, not because we don't love them, but because technically they're not investors and they're just looking at, you know, they're more speculators and speculators don't work um, yeah. in, in you, any you, market. You, that's a great point. That is a great point. You know, the speculators are always, that's, it seems to me like gambling on a football game, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to do. You bring up angel investing and I'm, I'm interested in your experience and your background in angel investing. So, sure. How how's that process? Uh, how's that process been? And and you helping people, or are you having to do it, and you and doing investing in it yourself? Talk a little bit about your experience in that in that world. Well, so helping people angel invest, it, it's it's actually been one of the hardest things we did learn a lesson at Otto, and that is that because uh, with those type of people, they're usually making five to ten to fifteen a year of investments, and if they're making anything. Uh, post, you know, say 25K becomes real money. And so mm. the angel, you know, it starts becoming in the millions per year on an investment. And so when we give that sort of information to those angels, we're actually, you know, at, when we originally started to do it at the start, there was always that level of, oh, actually, we could be at risk because you're deploying capital and you're not going to see it for a while. And so hence why we've decided to move away from the angels because, you know, it's a much more emotional journey for them. Whereas for a, a larger scale company, you know, 25 grand on a, a company is sort of like what they make, you know, what they spend on a corporate dinner. You know, sure. it's nothing cares about it. <laughs> From my own personal experience, now I've got, what, 50 companies under my belt. You know, I, it's funny now, I tend to look at companies in the series ABC. Uh-huh. And that's because of my, my experience personally trying to get the company to series A. Yeah. It's bloody hard. And most companies do fail before you get to Series A. If you're Series B, Series C, sure, you may put 10 grand down on a company and you may only get 30, 40, 50, but it's more of a secure investment as opposed to a, a company that you go, I'm going to put 30, 10 grand on a, a seed company and pray gets to 400,000. It's sort of that, you know, that really hard thing. Um, but, you know, I actually really like, you know, the, the success I have, I like passing it on to other entrepreneurs. It's great. Because I, I think as, you know, I always built Odd Up uh, with my co-founder to to last longer than we do. Mm-hmm. And eventually we'll get to a stage where someone else will take over and make it even more successful. But we still want to keep on giving back to the people who gave us our chance, you know, helped us get to where we are. The Lord of Angels have put some small money into us who helped us get to where we are. So we would like to pay it forward. Yeah, that, that's great. That's a great str- The idea of, of building a company to last longer than yourself is uh, is a great thing to hear. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not egotistical like that. Maybe it's my age of over forty, 
and yeah. knowing that, you know, eventually people get tired when you're young, you feel like you can move the world. And having been part of DDs and, you know, M&As and, 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 and seeing how companies can fail at the last minute, you have to take your, your, your ego aside. Now, as the companies now, now head into our Series D stage, you know, I realize that there's a lot of people better at the company at what I do. Yeah. And so I let them run with it and it works. And it's actually better for me to do less than to get involved and do more as I used to do at seed stage where I was here, there, everywhere trying to figure out. And I was actually not as productive as I am now where the people who are smarter, I just, this is what happens, you know? Yeah. That's, and that's how, and that's, that's what works for me. Yeah. yeah I, just need to, I need to try and look like the pretty face. <laughs> Not that I am, but I need to try it. My co-founder typically is the pretty face, whereas I need to look like, you know, the, the person that's there, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just the person there, yeah. The, the person that's there, that's, uh, that is a hike, hike praise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, so going back to the, the angel investing thing, is there some, is there one common thing that you see business owners in that stage is it one common mistake that you see them make to help them move, sort of moving up to that that series a life um people get so there's two things i say particularly angel investing the first one is that uh, people look at valuations rather than company and so when they look at a valuation and they see it low and they're looking at what their money can turn into they're assuming the company's going to get there Mm-hmm. And that's where the biggest problem is. So just because a company is a $8 million pre-money round and your $10,000 can you know, take a fair bit of equity, they're not seeing it from the perspective of it's $8 million because it's highly risky and mm-hmm. it may not get there, so you may lose it all. That's the first problem with angel listing. Um, second, I see with angel listing is um, a lot of angels feel like they can add value. That is absolutely false. <laughs> um, uh, and you know, I love my angels, don't get me wrong, but some of them are pains in the asses. Yeah. Um, and that's because they're just not understanding how, well, they're not in the business every day. And that's how ultimately that causes, and they know this, you know, and so most of them don't, you know, that at the time they wanted to be involved. They felt like they were part of the team. But in fact, the, there's only so many, you know, introductions you can do. Um, and you've, And so a lot of angels need to sort of take a step back and look at who the VCs are, are, are who are leading the investments and seeing what they can do. Because, you know, the bigger checks become bigger risks for the company, so they yeah. give a lot of effort. And so that's another thing that people forget. And, and uh, just, I think generally angels really, angel investing is really good because, um, you know, I hope that as I grow, you know, and I invest in companies, if they see me on the, the cap table, they'll say, hey, you know someone here, can you help do an introduction? And that's all they need from me. Yep. So, uh, so if angel if from my experience within angels as as an angel and also as receiving angel investment is you know give the money in goodwill and forget about it and if you could help help when the company asks for it as opposed to harassing the crap out of them you know all yeah. the time well you bring up a good point I, i'm interested in uh you have tinkerers there's always tinkerers people that think that they know what they're doing that, that as you mentioned so how hard is it for an angel investor that needs money and they enter into agreement with someone that they know they probably shouldn't, you know, or is, do they ever get, is there ever a conflict there where they go, I need this money, but I know I shouldn't take it from that guy. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think one of the best lessons I learned from being in the 500 and the Kima networks as investors is the founders are the best source of truth. 
mm-hmm. because some founders have already received money and they will give you an honest opinion of an investor if the investor is great to deal with or negative to deal with. And so as an angel, I always, you know, now I'm very conscious of that. I don't want to be that, you know, I won't use a profanity because it's too early in the morning. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, I, I don't want to be that person that causes yep. that problem. Um, I want to be the person of going, oh, you know, he's good to help. He helps when he needs to. Yes. Um, and I come back to my previous point. So, yeah, look, <laughs> there's a lot of lessons learned in this stage. But I would always, again say to angels, um, when someone asks you for help, help with all your effort. If they don't, don't get yourself in a problem, a perspective, because even your goodwill, mm-hmm. it's a bit like, you know, your parents sometimes, they what they intentionally mean well, but as you grow as a person, you feel like maybe they're in the way and you've got your own sort of life to lead in some yeah. form. Um, you know, especially when you're in a teenager, as a startup would be a teenager. Um and, and think of the company like a parent would. And this is one thing I, I do say to some angels is that, you know, at the moment, a seed stage here, it's the baby and, you, you know, they may need help, but at the same time, you know, they're going and then they become adolescents and then become a teenager where they don't need, they, they hate you for every reason. And then as over time, they start. And so, you know, a, a company is a baby. And so uh, as an angel, you need to look at it as you would as a father or mother, you know? Yeah. And so that's yeah. another way I've seen it. And that, Maybe not as complex, but, you know, or an article, you know, that's, right. that's, that's how it works, yeah. Was there anything that surprised you when you were raising money for, for Adup in your personal experience? Uh, yes. So I don't make these less, uh, these problems now, but I, as I, or the lessons I learned, especially at Series um, A, is the amount of effort that's involved to do mm-hmm. it. Um, and two, you know, focusing on a couple of key investors to, you know, close out the round. You know, there were so many times we were doing Series A was the question I get from all these investors is who else is investing? Who else is investing? And to me, and I thought, well, I needed that name. But then I realized that actually there's investors and now I have, now I I now know this, those investors involve no value to me where I thought I wanted value, but the only value they were, were who else? That's code for a startup to understand of, we don't want to do the work. We'll just follow someone else who's going to do the work. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, we don't think you're worth all our time to help out with. And that's a hard thing to take when you realize it now. But at the time, you're, you're focusing on every little one trying to find that lead investor. So I always say to people, find a lead investor and just focus on them and everything else just falls into place very, very fast. Yeah, they're very the fast. first domino to fall yeah. and then everything yeah, else. And, and it really falls into fast. I mean, Series A, we were, we were working with Times of India who were uh, the BCCL group, um, you know, because we wanted to grow into India and we knew they were number one. We spent a lot of time with them. And once we had them and the paperwork was sort of like in term sheets were done, it, the rest of it took literally a week. Wow. Um, and it was because we had these conversations and then the email rather than was, why don't you invest? The email was like, well, we're closing the round in a week. These are the people who are leading it, you know, let us know your interest. And then the emails came fast. And so once you've got that leading investor and people feel like, oh crap, someone else is managing that. And that's it. Yeah. Cut the story short, we work very well with times um, and, you know, they helped us build our branding. And so they spent a lot of time with us. Whereas the ones who followed on barely spent any time with us at all. And so it comes back to the angel works the same way it's amazing it's like who else is in this club that i want to get into yeah 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 but they may not they may they want to be at the club because they want to they have fomo but they're not necessarily but they don't want to pay for the tickets they want to to walk in 
you know, they don't want to do all the due diligence. <laughs> That's great. So um, your entrepreneurial path, was there a low point for you where, you know, if you could think back, is there a low point where you said, now mm-hmm. this is the word, it, this is the down, this is as, as bad as it's going to be? Typically pre-raises. Yeah. When I think, oh crap, it's not going to work out. Oh. And then lo and behold, just that sleep and then you wake up, something happens while you're gone gone sleep yeah. and you'd be surprised what happens and it's quite funny i was saying this to my co-founder that a lot of the our funding deals happened around this time of the year in, in around christmas and you know just when you think oh crap nothing's going to happen it happens yeah um that's been low point i think a low point was when you know at the initially when people started you know over time left the company particularly analysts because as i decided to go towards that data model you know, a lot of people were disenfranchised going, well, you know, I came to be an analyst. I'm not necessarily came to be a data import person. And so right. seeing people get a little bit emotional was really hard. And that's where the help of having people who are HR focused. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I always want to make everyone happy. I always want to make sure that the whole team is working well. Having that move over to a, a level where you're not, you're not so emotionally invested in everything you just have to realize okay it's another day it's another problem yep that's it but for an entrepreneur every week there's a bloody problem (laughs) just some form um and so yeah you know this it's just it's just the nature of the beast so yeah but there's been a lot of times particularly early on where i thought oh why the hell am i doing this this is not making any money we can't pay the bills and as times have gone better it's sort of it's become less of a stress yeah, well, I, I totally agree. The, the, the roller coaster is fascinating. The, I always say the highs are high and the lows are low. Um, as it relates to this, have you seen any strategies? I mean, a, a startup business can just be draining physically and emotionally. Have you seen any strategies that that either you or one of your own, uh, one of your uh, companies you invested in used to help the owner kind of get through that? Anything in particular that that helps business owners with that? that that strenuous issue uh i it's hiring good people yeah and having great mentors hmm. and having those two things and your mentors don't need to be some senior person who's 70 years old you, you can actually have mentors who are founders who are let's say you're at seed stage or series a stage yeah and i found that was the best strategy particularly from the founder side because they were giving me information of what was going to come next mm-hmm. rather than me trying to figure out how this works they just did it. It was fresh in their mind. They told you what to happen. Shortcut it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And time is valuable. Very true. Um, so that is the other thing. So stop wasting time on things that aren't working. Move on to something that is or try something different, pivot or so forth. Because um, it's like kicking a, a dead dog. If the dog is dead, he's not going <laughs> to wake up and go, hey, hey, you going? And, you know, just, I'm back. He's, he's dead. <laughs> So you just keep you just keep on pressing on, you know. Yeah, and that and that is one of those things that you know we, you know, you learn those lessons over time, and there's been many many of those lessons that you learn. That's great. Well, this is this has been fantastic. I just have one question. Have you now? Let's bring it all the way back around. Have you ever gotten Kylie Minogue to invest in one of your businesses? No, no. I, I would have just liked a, a date with her, even to <laughs> catch up with her. You know, just <laughs> hang out hang out to see what we could do together. And, but no, no, she, she, and she, and I, she, you know, I, I clearly, you know, have, uh, you know, good, uh, good, good uh, rapport with her. The question is, does she have it with me or is it only in my head? So, you know, 
<laughs> I love it. James, this is great. I, I really appreciated uh, your, your time today. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed our conversation. My pleasure. It was wonderful for me as well. If you'd like to learn more about James and, and Oddup, go to oddup.com. Like he said, five letters, O-D-D-U-P.com. If you want to connect with me on the Untapped app, my username is brcarney7, where you can find out how I rate all these beers. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Now, since you're driving me home tonight, I'm going to give a rating to this beer. New Belgium, well done by you. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Definitely would drink this again. So you, you've given it a green, a green, green dot. Well done. That's yeah. right. A green dot. That's right. I gave this a, a, a it's a buy. It's, it's a, buy. a very strong buy recommendation. <laughs> you had it. You had it first. <laughs> James, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at Rivers Edge Advisors underscore LLC.